seen here that you find. And I remember, um, I remember uh, there was a, there's a convention going on here. <coughs> headquarters has just told me I'm not even, Mike is not on. It's not even on me and it's not playing on me. We have to start all over again. That's really silly. I should have this done. Okay. Um, yeah, here it is. You'll kind of see a theme uh, through here, through Exodus, and the in the in the deliverance of God that God delivers. <clears throat> and uh, I remember I used to read most uh, a lot of the books and that were written, and I would listen to the audio tapes of uh, Zig Ziglar, and I, he was one of my favorites, and uh, especially on on sales and things like that. And, and he would say this, if you help enough people get what they want, you will get what you want. And he reversed everything. He was all, he was a, um, a he didn't get saved until he was 40 years old. And his Sunday school class there, I believe is at First Baptist in Dallas, or it might have been, I think it was First Baptist, was actually one of the first Sunday school classes on the radio that, uh, and if you ever heard him talk, he sounded like a preacher anyway. I thought, man, with that voice, I could sell anything. You know, that'd be great. But, uh, but um, yeah, but that was his. He was. That was one of the things he said all the time. If you help enough people get what they want, you will get what you want. And there's there's something there to that. There's a principle that 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 kind of applies here, and you see it here in in uh, Exodus. And it seems like sometimes God delivers. God delivers the deliverer, right? God, when, when, when we do what God wants us to do, what ends up happening many times is we get done to us what we need done. When we focus on others first, as God wants us, it's amazing how God will come and take care of what our needs are as, as well in the interim. And it seems here that as God is planning <clears throat> uh, and has the plan to deliver Israel, right, in, in the midst of delivering Israel, Moses is being delivered from some of the issues in his life as God is preparing him to be the deliverer. And one of those things, obviously, is, is an insecurity of the past. It's faithlessness. It's unbelief. Um, it's failure. He's totally failed living on the backside of the desert. He tried to be a deliverer. That was a colossal failure. He just ended up murdering a guy. That didn't help, you know, and then he had to get out of town, right? And so... Um, but we see here that God is actually, by using Moses to deliver the children of Israel, God is going to deliver some things in Moses' life as well. And he does that with us throughout our life. Listen, God is delivering us from things. And at times we don't see it because we're focused on uh, maybe the, 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 the one who needs to be delivered in front of us, the one who needs to be helped in front of us. It may be a neighbor, it may be a relative, it may be a, a parent, it may be a child, and you're focusing on them, and what you don't realize that God is using you, and in the meantime, He's fixing something in you along the way as well. It's a wonderful thing, it really is. In chapter 4 of Exodus, it says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared 
unto thee. Okay. Now listen, we all like a confident leader. It's nice to have somebody who leads confidently. He says, follow me. Here's the way. Walk you in it. Just do, you know, it'll be okay. It's all right. Every, I know, I know it's on fire, but you know, isn't the heat wonderful? It's January. You know, it's like there's, there's these confident leaders that just, man, they just, it helps you to follow them. Moses was by no means and in no way a confident leader. He was an unconfident leader in every way, if that's even a word. And you think of uh, 40 years on the backside of the desert here, and God has appeared to him in a burning bush, and he's called him to go back to Egypt to to deliver his family out of bondage. And in spite of the miraculous appearing, in spite of this, the bush burning that was not consumed, in spite of a voice coming out of the bush saying, Moses. Now, listen, that's pretty weird in and of itself. It's one thing to hear a voice. It's another thing when it calls you by name, like it knows you. Okay, now that now we're getting serious here. And, uh, and, he, and so he calls him by name, and, he, and he, the voice is aware of what's going on. Now, listen, we live in a, we are, we are, we live in a time-space continuum. We are finite beings. We only know what's revealed, okay? Moses knew the children of Israel were back in Egypt. Obviously, he left, but he hasn't known what's going on with him for 40 years, okay? This voice that comes out of the burning bush is aware of what's going on, you know, however many hundreds of miles away down in Egypt that Moses hadn't heard a thing out of in 40 years. Could you imagine a voice coming along to you after 40 years and saying, hey, uh, so-and-so, you like your relative, uh, down in uh, South Texas that you haven't heard from in 40 years, uh, I need you to call them because this, this, it's like, well, how did you know they lived there? <laughs> I mean, there's things that would go into my mind like, how did you know, right? God was aware. And so he has the miracle of this burning bush. He has the miracle of this voice that was aware of who he was, aware of the situation that he came from, aware of what is going on currently in Egypt. And he, this voice even knew that Moses was related to those down in Egypt that he knew were there. I mean, I mean, the, the awareness of the voice of everything that was going on. This was God. This was miraculous. Okay. And Moses didn't quite believe him. He didn't believe him. Why not? He said, because he says, they're not going to believe me. Now, hold on. The God who knows who you are, knows where you are, knows where they are, knows what's going on, is aware of everything, says, I want you to go deliver them. And he doesn't, he hasn't considered that maybe they won't listen to you. You know what I mean? Doesn't that say, I mean, come on now, this is easy for us. We're armchair quarterbacks here. We're reading this, you know, several thousand years later, but he does it in our life as well. And we do what Moses does. Oh, they're not going to listen. Give them a track. Oh, they don't want it. How do you know? And what does it matter if they want it or not? (laughs) Right? You know, you need to call this person and deal with this because, you know, there's a, uh, there's a, a brother or a sister in Christ that you have animosity against and unforgiveness towards. And the Holy Spirit of God says, you need to call them. They go, they don't want to hear from me. Is he not aware of everything going around? Why would he? You really think Satan would say, call that person and get something right? I mean, if they know about it. Here's, here, can I put a caveat here? Be careful about going to somebody and saying, you know, I've had really bad, and they knew nothing about it. Okay, <laughs> be careful of that. I know people mean really well, and there's nothing. I would never chide somebody for doing that. But sometimes I go, really? 
Oh, great. Now, then they start thinking like, what's wrong? You know, it's kind of like, maybe you should have just left your thoughts alone to the, you know, and just, you know, and just uh, not, not blurted those out. But when there's no, you know, sometimes when there's known problems and you, there's known animosity and the Holy Spirit of God says, you need to fix this. And we say, I don't know if they'll even, what are they going to do? You know, we're doing what Moses did. They won't listen to me. What is that? It's unbelief. It's unbelief. And, and, and really, when we step back and think about it, that is the craziest thing that we could ever do. I mean, we don't even know what's, what we do not know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. <laughs> right? We don't even understand what has happened in history. Right? And we have this weird place to tell God, eh, yeah, that, that won't work. That won't work. That's what he's doing here. That's what he's doing. And uh, it was an overwhelming response of doubt. Yeah. We struggle with this, don't we? You know, the Bible says you can do this. And we go, boy, I don't know. We look at things in past. We look at uh, people that have a marriage that looks like that's a great marriage. And you say, well, I didn't have that background. I'll never have a marriage like that. You look at people that, um, you know, Maybe they, they uh, when God comes along and, and works in us about giving, we say, well, I mean, I don't have a lot of money. How can I give? Now, I can't give like they give. I mean, good grief, I don't have that kind of money. Are you sure they have all that money you think they do? Some people give out of the abundance of their poverty. <laughs> Doesn't that sound familiar? When Paul was writing, right, uh, to the Corinthian church about those in... Uh, um, and uh, I just went blank where they were at. Anyway, they gave uh, the church at Philippi and then... Um, Jerusalem. Yeah, well, the Jerusalem, they were getting the money that was coming to them. But anyway, they, they gave out of a deep out of a deep poverty. Achaia, the church, churches of Achaia, they're giving out of a deep poverty. And God blessed that. So, But we can look at somebody and say, well, I, I don't have that. Uh, I can't talk to people about the gospel. I'm not a talkative person, Right. I don't know. Some of the uh, best things that you ever remember is from somebody that doesn't talk much. And when they actually open their mouth, you remember it. They didn't have to say much, right? Yeah. I mean, you forget 90% of what I say because I never stop, right? It just it just goes. Right? Maybe it should just stay less. That, that's a good idea. So. No, what am I saying? We doubt. We doubt God all the time. We doubt him all the time. And it's not a good place for us to dwell in, is it? I mean, it's not for a child of God. I mean, we have believed God for our eternal salvation. We've, we've trusted and trusted our soul, our eternal soul to him. And we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then it's, it's why I love the term un, unbelieving. We're an unbelieving believer. You know, uh, uh, you know, we have that many times where we believe God for salvation. But so many places in our life, we live in absolute unbelief. And we just don't believe what he says. Can I tell you something? And I've said it before, i said it several times. God does not call us to do something that he doesn't equip us to do. Now, I want, to, I want to ask you this. Take out from the scenario, pastor, missionary, uh, evangelist. Take out of the equation, quote, full-time ministry. Okay, Paul said I, he thanked God for putting him into the ministry. Uh, take out of the equation those that are called into ministry, okay? What is something that God has called you to do? Right. Not minister. I mean, of course, not not pastor, 
not deacon, not evangelist, not missionary, but what has God called us to do outside of those arenas there? How about just witnessing? How about just speaking the gospel, preaching the gospel? How about giving? Hey, how about walking by faith? You ever look at the life of like these, these men of years ago, like George Muller and some of these men, and, and man, the faith that they had, the faith that they lived in, and, and uh, the, the, you watch what God did in their life is incredible. And, you, and maybe you look, but you know, uh, maybe God is, it's, it's something like that. And you look at somebody's life that God has maybe called you to, to walk by faith. He's called us all to walk by faith. Amen. He has. What about just assembling? What about walking in honesty as a child of God? Walking in honesty. I remember a guy was uh, uh, out of job site one time. We've known each other for a long time. Everybody knew each other. And uh, this one young, this one guy was giving this scenario of what isn't lying and what is lying. And, and he said, if I... If I tell my, if I don't tell my wife I was out to lunch with another woman, I mean, I didn't lie because I didn't, I didn't tell her I did and I didn't tell her I didn't. I just, you know, I just didn't tell her. And so it's not lying. And this other guy who's unsaved, I mean, these guys were all unsaved. This other guy who was unsaved as well, he looked at him, he goes, well, you may not be lying, but you're living a lie. And I went, wow, what a great statement that was from an unbeliever. You're not telling a lie. You're living a lie. Hey, we were called to walk in honesty. Right? Can, can I tell you something? They, these are things that God has called us to do. Right? Can we, do you ever doubt those? I mean, what do we do? We live in doubt sometimes. Well, I can't witness. Well, I can't give like they give. You know, I can't live like George Mueller lived. I mean, that's, I mean, who lives like that? You know, I can't be faithful in this. And you know my past. I'm not known as the most honest person of the world. Right? Listen, God is never going to call you to do something that he doesn't equip you to do. Second Peter, he told us that we've been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's given us all things. What does that mean? He's equipped us to live in the way he's called us to live. Okay, time out. Let that sink in. Don't gloss over it. Do you believe it? Do you want to believe it? You know, some people, sometimes people don't want to believe things because it gives them an open door to live how they've wanted to live anyway. The excuse. Well, I'm just nothing. I'm just a nobody. I'm, I just have a bad past. I just have this. I just have that. No, that's your excuse to continue to live in unbelief and, 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 and to not walk in faith. Watch, well, no, hold on, Ugh, I'm, I'm saying way too long here. Maybe not, maybe I'm not. But Moses doubted what God says. Well, so do we when we live the same way. And we, we refuse to, to live according to how God has called us to, promising he has equipped us to do it. We live in unbelief when we don't live, live the way God's called us to. We did, we're doing what Moses did. And so he's never going to call us to do anything that he doesn't equip us to do. Here it is. Notice the reluctance of Moses. Look at verse 1. He said unto him, They will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Now, first of all, he doesn't even know what's going on in Egypt. He hadn't been there in 40 years. Right? Do not things change in 40 years? (laughs) Things change in 40 years. Right? And he's telling God, who is aware, who is doing the miracle, who is creator God, who he he agrees. He's telling God... They're going to say, God hasn't appeared to you. How do you know that? You know, we, look, we always get into dangerous territory 
when we when we pronounce things by fact that we don't know about. Have you ever had anybody say, well, I'll tell you what their problem is. It's this, this, and this. And you find out it's none of those things. Why? Because you didn't know. <laughs> you were just making assumptions. Hey, you know what happens when you assume. It's never good, right? It's not a good thing. Amen. Moses is making a total assumption and he's telling God. I mean, sometimes I, I wish you just really, uh, you know, uh, allow the word of God just to be, enjoy it, would you? And all, I love all of its humanness that it reveals. But the absolute insanity of telling God the way something's going to happen after he tells you what he wants to do. Right. God may say, I want you to give to this offering coming up. And you go, well, I won't have the money for that. <laughs> How do you know that? Right? Have you ever thought that maybe once you give it, I mean, God's going to take care of it after the fact? I mean, come on, we've lived long enough. We understand this in the Word of God. And Moses said, he said, they're not going to appear. They're, they're not going to listen to you. So, look, look, it was a lack of faith. Moses didn't look like the kind of leader that anybody would have imagined that God would use. He was a doubter. He was an unbeliever. He was a murderer. He had a bad past. He was a failure. I mean, come on, let's get, well, I mean, I'm just heaping so much on the poor guy. And, and, but we realize we're, we're in the same boat as he is. Amen. We're no different than Moses, but, uh, he did not look like anybody that you thought that God would use, but God flatly declared, right? Or Moses, I should say, flatly declared, I said God, I meant Moses. Mo, uh, Moses had flatly declared that God made a mistake. That's essentially what he's saying. You're wrong. You're wrong. Right. Could you, I, I don't know. Does this, is this sinking in? When you tell God, yeah, I think you made a mistake. We do that today. Now, no, listen, we would never say, God, that's a mistake. You have made a mistake. But we do that in our actions and our unbelief. We do that by the way we live in the, in the way we live our life. We say, well, that won't work. That won't work. Brother Jim, do you remember when Hanna-Barbera did the cartoon, the, the New Adventures of Gulliver? Remember of Gulliver's travels and these four guys are trying to help Gary Gulliver find his father. And they had all of these, these ploys to try to find Gulliver's dad. And there is one character in there the whole time. If I remember right, he had like this trench coat on this old cartoon and he had this train. He'd always all, every time they'd come up with a plan, he'd say, it'll never work. We're doomed. All through the thing. It'll never work. We're doomed. That's all he ever said. We're doomed. We're doomed. We're doomed. It's, he was very consistent. But th listen, this is essentially where Moses is. This is kind of like how we handle God too. Oh, that won't work. Right. That doesn't work. That, that doesn't make sense. And we go through with our own human reasoning. Now, come on. If we stop and think about that, that's the dumbest thing in the world. To de depend on our human reasoning. We're not even close to being... Uh, all-knowing, right? And uh, we make such, such statements sometimes like we are all-knowing when we're not. But he told God it's not going to work. And uh, hey, maybe we know, maybe we understand why Moses did it, right? He's looking back at the murder. He's looking back at the failure. He's looking back at what messed up. Can I remind you of this today? Some of the most successful people in the world, humanly speaking, in the, in the, in just in the worldly realm, uh, have been colossal failures at one point. 
colossal failures. Dropped out of college, bankrupt, broke, failed businesses, and they turn around, and in a matter of time, they're absolutely on the top. No, some of the, listen, some of the most successful people are only the most successful because of failure and adversity. You see, some of the, some of the ones that have never failed, I'll tell you this, those who have never failed have never failed because they've never attempted anything. Failure doesn't mean that you're so bad. Uh, a lack of failure doesn't mean that you're successful. It just means that maybe you just sat at home and never left your house. This is what a perfectionist does. Many times that if you have the problem of perfectionism, it's not that you do everything perfect. It's that you want it perfect, and many times you won't ever attempt to start because you just you don't think it'll turn out right. Yeah. I was working with a, a young guy the other day a few weeks back, and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm OCD. And he's, we're stacking lumber, just, and he's got to get it perfect. I mean, he's taking all this time to get all this lumber that we're going to take apart and move again anyway. I'm like, he's like, yeah, I'm kind of an OCD. And I said, uh, OCD never made anybody money. He was going to be in a business. I said, perfectionism doesn't make anybody money. Maybe a brain surgeon. Okay, I'll give you that. But by and large, <laughs> they'll spend all this time on something that doesn't even matter. Now, don't get me wrong. I like things all nice and neat and in order and weirdly things like that. But I've learned it doesn't pay the bills. Right? There's some things where you got to draw the line, right? And so uh, it's, sometimes it's our perfectionism. Sometimes it's our past. Sometimes we look at things in our failures and say, God can never use me. No, maybe the opposite is true. Maybe because of the failures, because of, of just the, the destruction of the past, maybe that's exactly what God wants to do. And he can do some of the greatest things with people like that. Even in the, even in the worldly realm. Don't you remember as Colonel Sanders at 67 years old, 67 years old, got into his car with a recipe for chicken, lived in his car for two years before, before he sold his first recipe for chicken and lived to be in his 90s, multi-multi-millionaire restaurants everywhere, 67 years old. He could have said, too late, I'm done, All right? But we do this with, I mean, now, in the, now this is in the human realm. Think about this. We do this with God, though, who says with, you know, with God, all things are possible. Amen. So who he calls, he equips, right? Regardless of your past, regardless of what's going on, if God is, uh, is, is moving you to do something, he's going to equip you to do that for him. And he's still looking for somebody to do it today. Remember when the prophet came unto Asa, Asa just had a great victory. He'd, he'd, the, the, and I don't know if, I forget if it was Ethiopia or who it was, came in, in, up into Israel and Asa turned to God and God gave great deliverance. And the, and the prophet came to Asa and he said, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro upon the earth for a man that can show himself mighty. God is looking for somebody to prove and to show and to work through that the world can see uh, the, the might of our God. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. You say, well, wait a minute. I'm, I, I'm, I'm 50. I'm 60. I'm 70. I'm 80. Well, Moses was 80. Big deal. Caleb was 80. When he said, I want the mountain, you know, Joshua was probably pretty close to Caleb's age, getting close to 80 when he had to take over from Moses at 120, who didn't die because he just wore out because God was done with them at 120, you know, and now it was Joshua's turn. I mean, listen, that has nothing to do. It is absolutely irrelevant uh, to, to the subject matter that God wants to work in your life. He wants to use you. 
He wants to do something with you. Right? But I only drive a car every day, <laughs> eight hours a day. Yeah, no, God wants to use you, Jim. Right? I only sit in an office and, and plunk away on computer keys. No, Mikey, God wants to use you. I only make trailer. No, Alan, God wants to use you. Right? And regardless. Regardless of a past, regardless of what you might think is failure, regardless of what you might think is inadequacy, this is what God's getting through here. This is some of the deliverance some of you need. Some of you are defeated. Yeah. Some people get defeated. Right. And this is some of the deliverance that God has for you. You're not living in defeat. You don't have to live in defeat. God can still use you. Absolutely. Being confident of this very thing, Philippians 1, 6, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the, until the day of Jesus Christ. What was the good work that was begun in you? What was the good work? What was it? Micah, what was it? Salvation. Amen. That's right. The list goes on. Salvation. He started the work. He drew, right? He's the one who drew. It was his plan. You know, and he drew. And uh, when we responded, uh, he was faithful. He saved. He be, and he began a work in us. And he says, faithful is he, right? That he which hath begun a good work in you right, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? Until we take our last breath. It's God is the one who's performing the work in us. Well, that's liberating, right? I don't have to do it. If I just yield to him, he will do it. So the good thing is the confidence isn't found in our abilities. No, some people in the world have incredible abilities. They have incredible minds. But did you realize, do you realize even the most incredible mind, even the one person with the best ability still can't accomplish anything without God? You, have you ever noticed this? There's five-year-olds that are smarter than scientists because they know and believe that God created the world and the universe and the scientists are trying to, uh, trying to show their intellect by how much they know and really they just prove how dumb they really are. Yeah. Our confidence is in Christ. I want to move on here. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the Bible says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He'll also do it. You know, there's times in everybody's life when there are situations that seemed absolutely impossible. And maybe you think of those even now. It might be something small even. It might be nothing that uh, would make the headlines of the paper anywhere. It might be something small. But in your life, you know, it was something that was huge. It, was, it seemed like uh, it was a big thing. And uh, it seemed impossible. But God showed up. And you look back and you're like, yeah, only God could have done that one. Yeah. What about in our own church? I mean, we're at a weird interim right now. This is a weird spot. Yeah. But we can't doubt that God brought this here. 
he's done too much to prove it. I mean, there's, there's been too much to go on. I mean, I mean, so wait, 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 wait. He which has begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. I mean, well, there's a promise just for, for Crimson Avenue Baptist Church. Is he done with it? No, he's not done. I might, sometimes I think, it, boy, I don't know, he might be done here, you know. But no, he's not. You can't, I mean, you, the confidence that God was, was the initiator and, 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 and the, uh, the performer of all of it and bringing it all together, you can't deny it. You can't deny it. You know what's incredible about it? The excitement of what's coming in the future. Right. The excitement. Of, let me tell you this also. Realize to the world, hey, to the world, the cross looked like a colossal failure. In the world's eyes, I mean, crucifixion, your king is now dead by, by the, you know, uh, you know they, they said, Hosanna to the highest the week before. Hosanna, Hosanna, end of the week, crucify him, right? The next week, and uh, here he is, your king. But no, this earthly kingdom actually just put him into a grave and killed him and got rid of him. Looked like failure. It wasn't failure at all, you know. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it, it, it abideth alone. But if it die and go to the ground, what's to say? It says, comes up and bears much fruit. Yeah. Some things have to die before they can live again. And, uh, but listen, God is faithful. God is faithful. Many of God, listen, many of God's greatest servants have had seasons of doubt in their life. Yeah. And I actually, I like to call them not doubts necessarily. Sometimes they're not doubts. Sometimes, a lot of times they're just questions. And there's a big difference between having questions and doubts, right? Doubts are kind of like Moses. They won't believe me. It's pretty much just pure unbelief. Sometimes questions arise on the things of God. And you go, boy, just in our, in our finite understanding, we can't put it together and it doesn't make sense. Those are just questions. G. Campbell Morgan, he had already um, been preaching for a while. He was about 19, well, since he was 19 years old, he had been preaching he came to a place in his life, he was teaching at a, at a Jewish uh, collegiate school for boys. And, uh, and permeating this college was uh, German rationalism. And, and it became accepted in a lot of theological circles. He was getting more and more immersed in, in the, these uh, theological talks. And uh, he himself was finding, him, finding himself coming to places of questions and doubts. So again, to just really plague his life. And he struggled through some of the questions uh, about the reliability of God's word. And, and listen, nothing has changed today. If you watch every cult, everything that comes down the pike, it starts exactly where Satan started. Hath God said, always questioning the word of God, always. And uh, one of the greatest ways the word of God is questioned today is by the proliferation of about a hundred Bible versions. That's a question mark on the Word of God. Absolutely it is. And he began questioning God. He began questioning the Bible. And uh, he, he said he eventually got to the place in his life where he went down to the bookstore. He purchased a brand new Bible, absolutely unmarked, and just began to read it when he got back to his room. And uh, he just thought, you know, I don't, he, he wasn't even sure whether the Word of God was true whether the claims were right, anything about it, but he just began to read the Word of God. He opened it, and uh, as time went on, uh, and he spent time in the Word, God began to help him and renew his strength. And 
Uh, G. Campbell Morgan actually came out of this time stronger than when he went in, more convinced than when he went in, more secure than when he went in. And he spent the rest of his life, I mean, just as a great, great uh, preacher and a work, uh, worker for God, absolutely. But he had doubts. He had questions. He had some things that he struggled with. I've, I've been there. You've been there. Things that don't make sense, right? I've told you about this before. I get it. We're going to stop here. But it, we're just talking about a lack of faith today. But uh, I remember there was a time in my life I was reading through the Bible, just reading away, and God was angry, and my weird brain started going. All of a sudden, I stopped and I thought, why were you mad at Israel? I mean, you're all-knowing. I mean, you know, so humanly, I'm thinking, why do we get mad? Well, we get mad out of fear. We get mad out of selfishness. You know, we get mad because of, you know, we don't know tomorrow. It's just, you know, things scare us and anger comes into our life. And that's, that's not right. That's ungodly. That's, that's not righteous indignation, obviously. But it was just really puzzled me. I'm like, you knew what they were going to do before the beginning of time. Why would you be mad? That just didn't make, I mean, I, would, I mean, this may sound weird to you now, but it wasn't, I mean, and it was something that would nag there for a couple months. And I kind of didn't even want to look into it almost. It kind of made me afraid to look into it. And I remember once, it was a morning, I don't know what time, it was a warm time of year because I went on a walk. And one morning I thought, you know what, I am, I am dealing with this. I, this is driving me nuts. And I said, God, I, I went on a walk. I said, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. Why would you be angry? It makes no sense. You know what they were, knew what Israel was going to do. You know all things. I mean, you weren't surprised by it. You're not selfish. I mean, this has... I mean, and as I'm walking along, it's just like finally it begins to just unfold. It's like, wait, every every action has a greater equal reaction. I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. If if God, what I mean, God had to respond. How else could He have responded? Happy? <laughs> now that doesn't make sense. God was responding to Israel. What was He responding? And He was responding responding appropriately and in justice. With anger, right? I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. I was happy again. And, but man, that just bugged me for a while. It didn't make sense. Don't be afraid to dive into the Word of God as something that you don't understand and dig it out. I'm telling you over and again, uh, I'll tell you all of those before me that will have these uh, in your life and people are, listen, you'll come out stronger. God will, will show himself and you'll come out stronger than when you went in. Absolutely will. Lack of faith. Moses was failing to listen to God. And really, here's why his faith was lacking. He just wasn't listening. He wasn't listening. Yeah. What did God say back in uh, Exodus 3? He said, certainly I'll be with thee. Certainly. Hebrews, uh, around chapter 6, whereby two mutable things, whereas it is impossible for God to lie. God can't lie. And he told Moses, certainly I'll be with you. Now, I'm going to give Moses a little bit of leeway. He doesn't have a complete canon of the scripture. He didn't have the complete word of God. He's talking to a bush right now. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) He's talking to a bush. And uh, he has a little bit of a history uh, of, of creation and, and the flood and things like that. I'm sure he knows some of that. But listen, what excuse do we have? Ouch, right? Yeah. yeah. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, The ultimate cause of spiritual depression is unbelief. The ultimate cause of spiritual depression is unbelief. For if it were not... 
uh, for unbelief, even the devil could do nothing. Ooh, think about that. If it were not for unbelief, even the devil could do nothing. That's what he, that's what he operates off in our life is unbelief. Hath God said. You know, that's the gas that fuels him, right? He goes on to say, it is because we listen to the devil instead of listening to God that we go down before him and fall before his attacks. So here's what we have at every step of the way, at every crossroad in our life. We're either going to believe God or we're going to believe the voice of Satan. We're either going to believe the word of God or we're going to believe the lies of Satan. Yeah. And when you believe Satan, what are you going to come out of there with? It's inevitable. You're going to have a lack of faith. The lack of faith puts you there and it's going to keep you there. So this is why Moses was in the backside of the desert. Unbelief. It's why Elijah ended up under a juniper tree after that great miracle of the fire coming down of the prophets of Baal and uh, whacking off the heads of about 850 of, of these prophets of Baal and then he's running from Jezebel and he's under a juniper tree just whimpering and crying. That's why. It's encouraging some of the greatest men in the Bible, some of the greatest women in the Bible have been in places of fear and unbelief. Let me tell you this morning, listen, we don't have to live in a lack of faith. What God has called us to do, He equips us to do. We have His word on it. We have His help. We have His assistance. He said, you know, His promise, what He has started in us, He is going to perform it. And at the end of it all, we're going to be presented faultless before the throne of grace someday. Man, that's awesome. Let me tell you this morning, trust him. Trust him. Just do what he says. He's already equipped you to do it. Just go do it. Right? Well, I don't see it. Yeah, I know. That's how faith works sometimes. You got to go do it and then you'll see it. Right? Amen? Amen. So, may God help us in our lack of faith. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at a lack of vision that he had. And over in Proverbs, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Let me, let me give you a heads up on this. That word vision there doesn't mean some cool little dream about and plans for the future, right? Some people look at it that way. It's not what it means at all. That word vision there means a revelation of the Word of God. Where there is no revelation of the Word of God, the, over in Judges it says there is no open vision in those days. There is no open revelation of the Word of God. Where there is no vision, where there is no revelation of the Word of God, the people perish. They fall backward. And we'll look at that next week. May God help us to walk in faith. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the, 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 uh, the example of Moses. I thank you that uh, we can see somebody uh, just like us, just the same frame, the same unbelief, the same problems, the same past, same background. And God, that uh, you chose to use him to show yourself mighty. And Lord, you're looking for us today to do the same thing. I pray you'd help us just to yield to you offer ourselves up to you, and stand back and watch you do what you want to do. Would you do that today? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'll be back.